back to the five spot here where you get all the information you need to continue on throughout the weekend to watch some of these explosive games in the NFL as well as in college football. But let's start with last night's game, the Buffalo Bills versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, Josh Allen versus, uh, you know, obviously what we've seen so far from Tampa uh, and Todd Bowles and that staff being able to turn things around in in the NFC South. But more importantly, I want to dig into what we're not seeing from the Buffalo Bills. Uh, everyone going into the preseason, preseason was very excited about Josh Allen and Steph, Stephon Diggs and uh, possibly Von Miller uh, coming back and when that would kind of actually happen, change this thing around. Uh, there were a lot of questions in the beginning of the season because Leslie Frazier stepped down. That means Sean McDermott is going to have to call defensive plays. Uh, Ken Dorsey. Uh, going into his second season as the offensive coordinator and what that may look like with Brian Dable gone. Uh, But to me, it's just been too inconsistent. And when you play against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on uh, Thursday night football, you're expecting Josh Allen to be spectacular. Now, don't get me wrong, you're expecting so much because he has that ability. But what are they missing? They're missing a running game on the offensive end. I've been a part of it. My experience of having that ability to get outside the pocket and and try to be dynamic whenever the time is called. But how long is that going to last? Is it sustainable? And yes, I think when they brought Stefan Diggs in on the offense, that was to get them over the hump because that's what they needed at that particular time. Uh, But now it seems to me like they're missing a true running back that can at least carry the football 20 times a game and possibly get them between 85 to maybe 110 yards. And now that alleviates pressure off of Josh Allen. But defensively, there's too many holes in that defense. Uh, they don't have the pass rush. They're not creating the pressure from up front. Their secondary is in shambles. Uh, hasn't been the same since, since White went down. And to me, as going forward for this Buffalo Bills team, will it be a win one, lose one, win two, lose two, uh, and then find themselves in the wild card possibility or is this a team that's going to get hit their stride maybe by week 10, week 11, and find themselves potentially uh, being hot going into the playoffs, Armando? Because to me, I love what Josh Allen is able to do, but I just think it's, it's, a, it's a recipe for disaster because he's already banged up at this particular point. So you asked the the – the number one question and the most important question, which is Donovan, is it sustainable? Because the Buffalo Bills season and every Buffalo Bills season for the last like two or three years has not been about, uh, you know, Hey, let's, let's put a good record together during the regular season. Yeah. It's somewhat about that, but it's mostly about at the end of the season, what are we doing in the playoffs? Where are we going in the playoffs? And if you're asking me, and I'm the only one here, uh, yeah, it's not sustainable. Right. <laughs> it really isn't. This is not playoff football. You can succeed in the regular season football, but once you get into the playoffs, you're first of all, you're not playing Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who play in one of the worst divisions in, you know, the National Football League. You're playing good teams like Cincinnati. You're playing good teams like the Miami Dolphins, others. And all of a sudden, you need to raise up and 
you, you mentioned it, the defense, they haven't raised up against mediocre guys. Like, right. they gave up a lead and the game against the New England Patriots and Mac Jones. Last night, they gave up a touchdown and almost gave up a Hail Mary, to a winner, to Baker Mayfield. So, I don't know. And Von Miller, I mean, you saw that guy play, uh, and you've seen him play now. Right. What is Von Miller anymore? Well, whenever you're coming off of injury and being a defensive end slash linebacker, you're, you're, it's like you're running into the wall 500 times uh, in a game. And so coming off of an injury, he doesn't have the burst that he, he once had when he first came over to uh, Buffalo. Uh, the power is still there. But I think the body, just the recovery aspect, takes a little bit more time. And so uh, he's now become a specialist when – not a lot of outside linebackers and DNs want to be in that category when you get older because it messes with your money, so to speak. Uh, and so now you're talking from a 70-play game. He's playing 25 to 28 plays, being more on third, coming on a third down, second and long, something to that effect to try to uh, affect the quarterback in the pass rush by applying pressure. But more, when I watch this defense, you know, back in the day, you know, and I won't go as far as when Bruce Smith back was playing, but just whenever they had a formidable defense, it was having a pass rusher, having a, a run stopper in the middle, having a linebacker that can flow sideline to sideline, uh, at least a corner that I would say is more, more of a elite shutdown corner, but having two corners that can play zone and man and at least get some PBUs, which are pass breakups. And there's a safety, a safety that was a hard-hitting safety that can come down in the run game and be another linebacker toward the line of scrimmage. I don't see that. I see more finesse safeties. Uh, I see corners that are still trying to figure themselves out in zone coverage. Uh, and then I just don't see the pass rush where a quarterback has to identify where that defensive end or that, that linebacker is on the outside. Uh, I just look at this defense and it's so much pressure on Sean McDermott because you go from the head coach now back to calling plays when he hasn't truly done that pretty much in, until the early years when he first started or back when he was in Carolina. So, uh, And this is just the defense. And so when you look at overall from this team, can they turn it around to me is more of the question now since we talked about being sustainable, but can they turn it around in your eyes, Armando? Well. You know, it's weird. So they won last night and we're destroying them. Right. Um, can they turn it around? There's one, there is one shred of hope. And here's the shred of hope. I don't think that what you mentioned about the running game is going to change no. because in, it, probably they don't want it to. They have arguably the best quarterback in the NFL, arguably. They think they do. And so what they want to do is put the game on his, you know, on his shoulders and let him go win it. Here's the only thing that might make it sustainable for them. They've got this tight end named Dalton Kincaid, who is a rookie. They drafted him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. He, yeah. And he is growing up very fast before our eyes. He is becoming a factor. Uh, you could see it at times last night. It's been going 
That way, if by the end of the season, this rookie is, you know, problematic down the seam, is problematic all over the place, and now they've got multiple places where Josh Allen can go, including the the dependable tight end that he can get rid of the ball and still pick up eight, nine, ten yards. Right. That's going to be a problem for people because Gabe Davis is very good in the red zone. Uh, Stephon Diggs is dynamic. Now if they've got Dalton Kincaid growing up and maturing, he's a red zone threat and he's a, a security blanket for Josh Allen. Well, that, that is funny you say that because that's the that's the part that a lot of people are not aware of. The extension of the run game becomes the quick game or utilizing your tight ends and running backs in the passing game. Now, they utilize Cook in the passing game, but you have to have that guy who can take the middle of the field, apply pressure on the linebackers or safeties, and they haven't done that consistently. He, This young man was – a lot of people had him in the top two as far as tight ends coming out in the draft. Now, everyone talked all year about the tight end coming out of Notre Dame. Uh, and rightfully so, he was solid. But he ended up dropping in the draft, and this young man kind of elevated his stock, uh, I would say, during workouts and then obviously in the draft. But they didn't utilize him, which was confusing to me because everyone knows Stefan Diggs on the outside. Everyone knows Gabe Davis is on the outside, which Gabe Davis needs some more, more targets to me, if you ask me. But you have to utilize the middle of the football field. And when you have a running quarterback – that is, like you talk about, security blanket. He knows the way to find a way to get open, get get kind of a nice alley where Josh Allen can now dump it, where it limits the, I would say, more of the attempts of running for your quarterback who suffered an injury consistently, and you talked about carrying the load on his shoulders. Well, his shoulders banged up too. And so that's not a good sign for the Buffalo Bills. And, and on the other side, by the way, I couldn't help it last night, man. You're going to hate me. You're going to want me, like, to go eat a burger or something, which is not a bad idea. <laughs> You're going to do um, that anyway. <laughs> I'm going to do that anyway. <laughs> but I'm watching that game on the Tampa Bay Bucks, and I'm thinking Tom Brady would be better than this right now. And this team would factor in the, you know – compost that is the nfc south they would be very good they're three and four now with baker mayfield they would be a playoff team with tom brady no doubt about it and i kept thinking to myself what could this team be if tom brady hadn't decided to cut his career short after a mere 23 years what happened tom why'd you do that you only played 23 years bro come on back let's see some more wwtd what would tom brady do <laughs> oh my god you know what the whole thing about i look at it in the sense and it's funny you bring that up and i don't want to you know come down on, on baker mayfield by any means because obviously what we've seen from tom tom's 100 years old right now it's time to move on and i think a lot of the coaching staff and i'll be honest with you the last a lot of the coach, coaching staff over the last of tom's five years last five years of tom's career i would say more six they rode the wave and a lot of coaches have gotten paid a lot of coaches have moved on to 
to become coordinators that were assistant coaches, which I still think to this day, Byron Lethwich, he needs and deserves a job uh, as a head coach. But now it's kind of passed by the wayside because he wasn't given that. But now you have to coach. And Todd Bowles is a great guy, great coach, good defensive mind. Head coach, I don't know if he is a head coach uh, in this league, but he's definitely a great, great defensive coordinator. Uh, And I think when I look at this team, and I won't say if Tom was there, it would be different. Because remember, this is pretty much almost the same team like Tom left. But they were all banged up. They were they were hurt. Uh, they were young, but they still were experienced enough from the run with Tom that with Tom there, it would alleviate pressure from a lot of different people. Uh, so I just don't know if Tom being there the full season, being 100 years old, how long he would last and what he would be able to do. But you're right. In the AFC South, I mean, the NFC South, excuse me, he would definitely, they would be the top of the chart right now with Tom. I, I agree with you on that. No, no doubt about it. And, you know, I mean, I get what you're saying about uh, last year, I think they were nine and eight or maybe yeah. eight and nine. I don't remember, but they made yeah. the playoffs. But they suffered what was the Tom Brady kryptonite, which was their offensive line yes. was super banged up, including Ryan Jensen in the center. Right. And so Tom had no protection up the middle. He had to get rid of the ball fast. And right. so you have to get rid of the ball fast. You're not maximizing Mike Evans on the outside. You're not maximizing yes. Godwin. You know, Chris, Chris Godwin and Gronk wasn't there. And so, you know, it, it didn't go exactly as planned. But a hundred-year-old Tom Brady, as you said, <laughs> give me him over – you know, 29, 30-year-old Baker Mayfield every day of the week. Sorry. I, I'm sorry, Baker. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have a food name. Hard on them like a ton of bricks. No, Baker has a food name. I gotta love Baker because it's a food name. But <laughs> you know, uh Tom Brady better. Sorry. Well, let let's let's stay in the NFC since we're talking so much about Tom, but let's go come out west a little bit. Out of my territory. Very big game uh, with the San Francisco 49ers versus uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. When I look at this particular game, I think it goes to the question of, is it a must win for San Fran or is it a must win for Cincinnati? In my eyes, this is a must win for Cincinnati because they need to get on the the, the horse. And when I say get on the horse, they, they have to get in the winning track. And what I've seen against since, uh, Seattle – wasn't too pleasant, especially when they play Arizona and Jamar Chase looked like uh, a Tech Mobile version of Jerry Rice. Uh, it seems like he was always open. Joe Burrow would look like Joe Montana uh, in that game coming up. Now, all of a sudden, uh, injury-free game. And coming off now this bye week for Cincinnati, where I look at, it in a sense, um, everybody's healthy. Uh, Jamar Chase is now back into the offense. The guy that's not really in this offense that needs to be inserted uh, consistently is T. Higgins, which the trade deadline's coming up. Will they decide to move T. Higgins? You still have Boyd, who he's one of the best slot receivers in the game. Uh, And defensively, they're starting to figure things out a little bit more. So when they play against this team who might be missing Brock Purdy, uh, it's still a game-time decision, I believe. They'll have to see Sam Darnold. 
People can talk about Sam Darnold and his great potential. He's had great potential since he was at USC. It has not panned out. He's turned the football over. We can talk about the bad teams he played with. We can talk about him being a, a first-round draft pick and all of that. It hasn't panned out in his career. Don't get me wrong. The mad scientist is Kyle Shanahan. I will give you that. But a zebra always shows his stripes. And he'll get in the game. He'll turn the football over. We'll make excuses for him. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, well, if Rock Purdy comes back, then Seth Fran will be back to normal. I think this is a game where Cincinnati can take full advantage of maybe a banged-up Brock Purdy or Sam Darnold becoming the starter. <laughs> you have compared Sam Darnold to a horse wearing pajamas. <laughs> I did not say a horse wearing pajamas. I just it's said, a zebra. You compare him to a zebra. I'm just saying a, a zebra always shows his stripes. And I, I just it, – it's just – no, when, when I see Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold has a great arm. Sam Darnold is a, is a passer. He can be a, a, you know, a good passer in this game. But when you turn the football over and you're not consistent in what you're doing over this early part of his career, he's still young. He hasn't even been in the league 10 years, I don't believe. And so I, I just look at it in the sense of this is a must-win game and a winnable game for Cincinnati. I love it. I love it when you come back to defend Sam Darnold and you rip him some more. Thank you. Very nice. <laughs> Very great. Uh, let me guess. You're not a big Sam Darnold believer. Uh, Are you? Oh, no. Oh, no. No, 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 no. But – I'm happy to point out that you are not and leave myself out of the line of fire because, you know, I I'm, I don't want to take bullets. Um, so to me, that game is about two different things on either side. Last year, the Cincinnati Bengals found themselves at four and four. And they were, you know, everybody was saying post-Super Bowl blahs, you know, uh, they – they, they had lost their edge, whatever, whatever, even though they hadn't won it. Right. And then they went and won 10 games in a row. Right. Okay. And the next time that we saw them, they were playing in Kansas City in the AFC championship game. And so in that locker room right now, I think they're three and three, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. They're saying we can do this again. And I find it hard to argue against because they've done it before. Right. I mean, is that a now the question is, is that a bad attitude to have? Because some coaches, as you know, Donovan, are we're only going to think about the next practice and the next one minute day. and the next game. And it's one day at a time. And don't right. you dare think about next week. And don't you. And this team is thinking we're going to roll off. 10 or 11 straight in a row because we've done it again. Is that a bad position to be in? It's not a bad position to be in, but I, I'll say this. Now, when as a player, this is, this is a game you really can't look past anyway. And so I think for them being able to recover, you know, after the bye week, Joe Burrow, you know, obviously focusing in on how is, this game is so important because San Fran, it's not like San Fran is – is one of these teams in the middle trying to figure themselves out. San Fran is one of the elite teams in this league. And he understands from a quarterback standpoint, 
He knows about Bosa. Uh, he knows about their defensive line. He knows about Fred Warner. Uh, and so you, when you're aware of what you're playing against, and I'm sure Jamar Chase is thinking about their secondary as well, after he just watched Addison get busy on San Fran's secondary. So what do you think Jamar Chase is thinking? Oh, Addison's not on my level. I'm about to kill this team. And so all he's probably saying to Joe is, give me a chance. Just give me a chance. And T. Higgins is probably saying the same thing. Just give me a chance. Well, the thing is, it's great that the receivers are saying that. But if the offensive line from Cincinnati can block how Minnesota blocked up San Fran's defensive line, this becomes 707. And I'm sorry. When you look at what Cincinnati has as skill positions compared to Minnesota minus Jefferson, I would take Cincinnati if they can block up that defensive line. So I just think this is a winnable game because of what I've seen against Minnesota for, you know, when San Fran played Minnesota. So now Cincinnati, if they can do what the offensive line did and not take anything away from Kirk Cousins because he was dynamic in that game. But if Joe Burrow can carry over from what we've seen against Arizona, not Seattle, then I think it becomes a, a win for Cincinnati. Yeah, that's interesting that we you're mentioning the San Francisco front, you know, seven or whatever. They're right. supposed to be awesome, and I thought that they were awesome, and they thought that they were awesome. I they think went they out still and awesome. made right. They made out. They went out and paid Nick Bosa more money than any player not playing quarterback is making in the NFL. Correct. And they went out and got Javon Hargrave um, and added him. Right. And. Uh, they're not, and they made a, you know, they added another pass rusher, the guy from Denver whose name is escaping me right now. Gregory, Randy Gregory. Gregory. Yeah, right. They Randy added Gregory. him too. Which and I don't know la how long he lasts. <laughs> I don't know how fair, long. Fair. Right. Uh, I'm just saying they're not, they're, they're not scaring people right now. No. Uh, Bos Bosa's not, even by his own admission, he's not Nick Bosa right, right. now. Um, he said that basically he's doing stuff now that he would have been doing, you know, in August and July had he not been holding out. Well, this is bad because it's October and late right. October. So he's behind. Uh, the other question that I have for San Francisco is, has, has it struck midnight for Cinderella? And Cinderella in this case is Brock Purdy. Because uh, so at OutKick, uh, we've got a new feature every Friday, Donovan, where Pro Football Doc, who is the former team physician for the San Diego Chargers when they were in San Diego, he's given us a, a rundown of the top injuries every week. And he's saying Brock Purdy's not playing, nor should he. So that's we'll see if he's right or not. But he is it shouldn't because of play. the elbow? Is it because of the elbow? Concussion. Um, yeah. And so the question is, is Brock Purdy now injury prone? Because he had the, uh, he hasn't uh, played a full season. He, he hasn't played a full season. He went out in that, in that game, the playoff game against, um, Philly. Philadelphia, the Eagles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know that team? Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, obviously the concussion now, which is weird, right. but, and in that game, he wasn't that good. And in the game before, he wasn't that good. So are we seeing the, you know, the regression to mean for Cinderella? 
I, I won't go that that far. I, I look at Brock Purdy, and he's young. This is his second year in the league, and and you know I won't even bring up the Mister Irrelevant because it's over. You're you're NFL player. Uh, you've you've played three quarters of a season pretty much, so you have the experience. And this being his sophomore season, so to speak, uh, there are going to be some lumps, and, and that's the thing that a lot of people glossed over because they see they look at his record as a starter. Uh, they know what type of talent is around him. Uh, everyone glosses over the fact that, you know, he's only been in the league pretty much at this particular point. He's still a rookie until probably about three more games or so, three, four more games. And so he's still trying to trying to figure it and understand what's going on in front of him, how to react, how to be able to uh, overcome adversity, uh, because he truly hasn't had the adversity. The only adversity he's had is the injury, obviously, and now the concussion. So is he injury prone? Absolutely not. Uh, but one thing I will say is um, there's ways of applying pressure to Brock Purdy. And could it be because Debo Samuels is out? No, I don't believe because Ayuk has elevated his game. Christian McCaffrey's still there. Kittles is there. But if you can now apply pressure and force Brock Purdy to get outside the pocket because this offense is based off of timing. It's about being able to go through your reads, throwing your drop, and get the ball out in less than two, two and a half seconds, if, if that. If you force Brock Purdy out because you're applying pressure up the middle, now it works in your favor because now he has to become a running quarterback, which is not saying he can't do, but it takes it away from this offense. And so I just think that's something that as far as uh, Cincinnati, that's what they're looking at because they can go back to that Minnesota game when he did have to get outside the pocket and it just didn't fare well. So I I, I want to say something and then I have a question for you. Yeah, Brock Purdy has the advantage that we're considering it's still his rookie year because he hasn't played 17 games, right. but he had an entire offseason in between there to kind of uh, mature to kind of get closer to the scheme and the offense and his teammates and the players and all that. And I get it. He was rehabbing, but he had that time where a real rookie, not a real rookie, but a rookie that goes from July to January, he doesn't get that whole big six month interval in the middle where he can grow and, and increase his knowledge. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? And also, when did the skies clear for you? When, when was it that you said, okay, rookie year, schmooky year, uh, right. I'm not that guy anymore. When did the, 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 when did the light bulb come on? Well, let me go, let me go back to that first part. Cause that was a great question uh, to ask. Remember, yes, his off season could goes right into the mental part of the game of seeing the film, talking with Kyle, working with the quarterback coach, being able to go over a little bit of things that they want to go, you know, go into early part of the season because things change once you kind of get to the middle and toward the end because a lot of those new and improved plays that these coaches who have no life want to sit and draw up ends up either not working or it's like, yeah, it just doesn't work at this particular time for us. So you get back to the basics. But he rehabbed. He rehabbed this summer that took him away from that because it's one to go over it and watch the film and, and talk with the coaches and draw up stuff. 
But then you got to go to rehab for three hours. And you're not able to go out on the field and work with the guys and throw to work on your timing. And that was what was missing with Brock Purdy. Now, he worked his way back. It's just like Garoppolo. When we seen him there, and all of a sudden he's on the side, and he's working with a strength coach, he's working with a, a trainer, you're not able to get out there with your guys and go over the plays that you've been talking and discussing with the coaches and then work on the timing. So that held him back. And now he's got the concussion. So with my experience uh, of when it started opening up, it opened up in the middle of my second season. The first season, you're looking over things and you're you're kind of almost guessing. It's like you're reading half of the field. They now change the safeties to a single high safety. Corners now bail. You're getting blitz from the four-week four, four strong. And now it's like, uh, I read one, I read two. Oh, there's a free rusher. Now you got to get the ball out. As your seconds, middle of your second season, you start to understand a little bit more about tendencies. So it's like, okay, they got a shade. I'm reading this safety. Watch the weak side corner. Oh, okay, now I know what's coming. Make a protection call. You and your center are pointing it out. We move the mic, blah, blah, blah. You're protected. You know what coverage is. Get back in your drop, sit back, boom, balls out. We move the chains. That's when it happens. The middle part of your second year where you start to see the field like this. And in the beginning, it's, you start to read this part to this part. And so I think for Brock Purdy, he's going to be able to bounce back by the middle of officially his second season. But again, he's got the elbow. He's got the concussion. We don't know what else will translate next. Yeah, unlike you, I was a savant. I read the buffet from, <laughs> from you know, the salad to the entree. I read the whole thing right away because I like the steak and the chicken and the barbecue, but I also like the rice and the beans and the other stuff. I'm just saying, I was a buffet reader savant. <laughs> so... Oh, my God. I'm with you on that. I definitely know where my foods are. So I know exactly where I'm going with the football, which would translate to I know where I'm going with my fork. <laughs> let's let's go to Chicago. Speaking of fork, because that's me back home, and I know exactly where I'm going to eat when I get back home, when I'm going to eat it, and then what else I'm going to eat the next day. Uh, Chicago's got a, a big one coming up uh, against the, the Los Angeles Chargers. I was about to say San Diego again. Um, and, and this is a must win, I look at it in a sense, for both teams. Uh, when you look at Chicago, obviously with Fields being down, uh, they got a young quarterback stepping in his place. Uh, everyone right now in Chicago and across the country is so enamored by this young man. Uh, they're riding the wave, and it's only been one game. But the, offensively, we've seen something that I guess we expected to see, ball being spread around running game being uh, effective, their defense playing pretty decent. Uh, but more when you look at the Los Angeles Chargers, is this a game that Brandon Staley is smoking a cigarette with gasoline draws on, swimming in a kiddie pool? Uh, is this a game that if he loses against Chicago, him and that tight beard that he had against Dallas, will this be it for him? So – the Bears are starting this guy, Tyson Bajent, who you just mentioned. By the way, every time I hear his name, 
It's like Tyson Bagent. It's like the song from like the 60s or the 70s or whatever. Secret Bagent man. Secret <laughs> Bagent man uh, comes up in my head. But whatever. Um, so he was playing at Shepherd last year. Right. Uh, he wanted to be like this really shredded dude um, so that obviously he can, you know, hook women. Girls. And, yeah. And, and also like be a PE teacher or something. That's what he was expecting. And now he's starting for the Chicago Bears because right. Justin Fields is injured. You beat that guy, Brandon Staley. You have a roster that has Khalil Mack, Derwin James, Asante Samuel, uh, Junior, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, you got Joey Bosa on defense. You destroy him or you're fired because you've lost two in a row. And now you're playing a guy from Shepard who is the quarterback and reminds people not of great quarterbacking, but of a freaking 60s song. So you beat them or or you're gone. And not necessarily now because the, the Chargers – they have no, uh, they have no, whatever. Um, but <laughs> you know, they won't do it in season. But at the end of the season, I'm looking at that and going, wait a second, you lost three games in a row, and one of the games that you lost was against, you know, Tyson Bagent, huh? Well, no. well, let, let's yeah. let's okay. First of all, everyone at Shepherd, all the alums, I'm sorry. Um, it's Armando Segaro. You can find him on Twitter. <laughs> Thanks. I, I listen, Thank you. Great Under university. the bus. Thank you. Great university. Uh, but what what I've seen from Tyson is a guy that just played free football, uh, understanding his situation, because he's not the franchise guy. He understands that. Justin's the franchise guy. He's called to duty because he's the backup. Uh, but what I've seen was it seemed they simplified the offense for him. They simplified it in enough where they went the screen game and and Foreman just I mean Foreman looked like he looked like Earl Campbell uh, back there and you know Foreman did go to University of Texas I believe uh, and that was what I seen from him in Houston that's what I seen with him in Texas get him the ball and let him get downhill he's one of those north and south running backs that has the ability to catch the ball out of out of the backfield. And then you look at the receiving core. Obviously, we know about DJ Moore uh, and and what they're able to do. But the quarterback Tyson Tyson Badgett, I look at it in a sense, uh, and this is be big for for Justin Fields. Watch how he diagnoses things and gets the ball out. So it's a read and react. And remember, I talked about how the field opens up in the middle of my second season. It opens up. You start to see the whole field. Now the thing with Justin is you've had multiple coordinators, so. There's not the same type of offense. And so I look at it when the last couple games, when DJ Moore had over 100 yards receiving, Justin was efficient, uh, the turnovers went down, uh, and all of a sudden, boom, he gets hurt. So now he has to watch someone run the offense and be effective. So this will be big for him. But I look at it for uh, more for the Chargers. Kellen Moore, okay, you got to learn to close games. You can put up great numbers between the first and the middle of the third quarter or even the beginning of the fourth quarter. But you have to learn how to close games. And that means 
move the ball methodically downfield, running the football or something, quick game, to move the chains and eat up clock, to secure games. If not, you find yourself at the end where it's either going to become a field goal or Brandon Staley's going to have to go for it on fourth down, which Armando's been waiting on that so he can come down hard on Brandon Staley and his decisions. You know, uh, so this is the last weekend of the season before the trade deadline. This is it. If, if, if Brandon Staley loses this game, I would say the chargers would be wise to try and trade Brandon Staley for an incomplete box of donuts uh, (laughs) because it's over. He will lose. I'm not, let me retract. He's not going to lose the locker room, right? but he has lost the fan base. And that in Los Angeles is horrible because they don't have a big fan base in Los Angeles. They are like orphans in Los Angeles. And you lose the few that you've got, your your franchise is in trouble. So Brandon Staley, you win or you're traded. This is the last weekend of the, before the trade deadline, which is October 31st. You're gone. You're outie if you yeah. lose. Yeah, he may throw up the peace sign, and I don't know if it will be him doing it. It may be the organization doing it. Uh, but speaking, just real quickly, let's go into this this uh, understanding of what the bye week is. Uh, there was an incident that went on uh, of conversation in uh, in New York with W the fan, um, a conversation about Zach Wilson. What people need to understand is the bye week is an opportunity for you to get away from football, refocus, recover, uh, recharge your battery, understand that you're coming back for the second part or the final part of your season because there's no more bye weeks. Uh, And for Zach Wilson, he decided to go back to Utah, I believe, uh, to spend some time with his girlfriend, which I don't have a problem with that. Uh, And I'm sure he's probably working out and doing something. But the conversation was really negative and disrespectful toward Zach Wilson because it's easy to jump on back Zach Wilson. Um, but Zach, to me, has been playing much better than he has in the last couple of years. Now, he was called to duty when everyone thought he was going to sit back and learn from Aaron Rodgers. I thought he's he's done a fairly decent job at the position. I think things will get better for him. Uh, but uh, to me, people need to just kind of pull back a little bit on the Zach Wilson hate and disrespect. Um, and understand about playing the NFL, playing in the NFL as a quarterback and what it means to come from a bye week. Now, will he play better after the bye week? I don't know, but that's kind of to be determined. But as far as the bye week is concerned, Zach will get a chance to come back refreshed and ready to go. Right. So obviously this was done for attention by the fan in New York. And guess what? They got attention. They got the attention. Right. It accomplished its purposes. Um, Having said that, having said that, you mentioned respect. Respect is earned. Has Zach Wilson earned respect as a starting quarterback in the NFL? He's he's on the road, but I'm not sure he's fully there. And that's the reason that Joe Schmo and and Jose Pepe uh, can on the fan and on this podcast go, I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, my desire. And, and it's, it's a bad look when the guy who did this 
compared him to Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow spent the entire week, you know, lifting weights. He didn't go anywhere. He didn't do anything. He thought about, he said he thought about football. And then your guy, Zach Wilson, is thinking about that, you know, stuff in Utah. Right. <laughs> and, but, but, but Armando, let me add in. It, it wasn't so much, when I say respect, I don't say respect in a sense of respecting him at, as a football player. It's respect as a man. And okay. he hasn't done anything to, to disrespect anybody else that's out there. He hasn't said anything publicly about anybody, not even including uh, the analysts or on the radio. But it's, it's a respect understanding what a bye week is, first and foremost. You know, easily for the fan, they can say, oh, well, he needs to be focused in football. He needs to be into his playbook. He needs to be doing this. He needs to be. How do they know he's not doing that? Just because they know he took a trip to Utah to see his girlfriend, how do you know he's not watching any film? Because I'm sure that the Jets have, have are discussing their plans going forward for the rest of the season because it's not like he's in the Bahamas and laying out by the beach and doing all of this. He went to go visit his girlfriend. Like, how do you know he's not in the gym working out? How do you know he's not at BYU uh, spending time with his former coach that coached him at BYU? You know, those are things that people need to really look into before the hate comes so heavy on the radio. Well, I seen his girlfriend. He wasn't at he wasn't at BYU working out. I seen his girlfriend. <laughs> you seen his girlfriend. I, I'm not getting into that aspect, but you don't spend all day with your girlfriend because you know you have a job. And I think he understands of the job that's called for him to be a part of. And what he what it entails, and I'm sure the coaching staff has kind of gotten his ear about that as well. You know the way to shut people up, the way that Zach Wilson shuts everybody up is this week against Wink Martindale's defense with the New York Giants. He right. comes out and he balls out, and right. he does that against a really hard defense to figure out. We're done. We're done with you know nerds on the radio and not, um, anything like that. Right. You know, second guessing you we're done. Well, I mean, again, as a man, and I understand if Zach comes out and he says something because yeah, I mean, again, keep my name out your mouth in a sense when you're talking negative and disrespectful to me, like, you know what I mean? That was truly disrespectful. Um, and it's been a lot of disrespectful things towards Zach Wilson. And that wasn't even really pertaining to football, if you ask me. That sounded like almost some jealousy type stuff. Um, but I will say this. Just from what we've seen so far all together, um, it's, it's one in which I think uh, going forward we'll keep an eye on. But if he even if he plays well, are we going to go back to that soundbite? Or is this going to be something that we just move on from? Yeah, um, I, I don't. I don't like to to pick on Zach Wilson a lot because Zach. You get Wilson. that out of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, we started this this episode with talking about Josh Allen. Josh Allen is a grown ass man, and he is outstanding at what he does, and he is right. great. And when he isn't that. Then we point it out. Right. Uh, Zach Wilson, that's like kicking that, that 
horse wearing pajamas again. It's like uh, <laughs> it's it's like you you know doing that to the horse in pajamas. Uh, he's he's trying to grow up. He's trying to be good. Yeah. And I I, I, I don't know, man. I, I get get well, me off. Now, of this. Yeah. Yeah, now we didn't get Armando speechless. So we're going to close this show today. Thank you for joining us here at the Five Spot. Hey, Zach Wilson, put in some work. Come on back, ready to go, and have a Pro Bowl type season. And the second part, that acquire your critics. Uh, everybody sit back, enjoy this weekend. We got a lot of great college football, a lot of great NFL. The NBA is on. Uh, so a lot of exciting things happening. But make sure Tuesday you tune in back here at the Five Spot.